Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Hi and welcome back to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. As you may well know, this weekend we had World Mental Health Day and that's when I wanted to be able to share some tips for how you can look after your mental health this school year and moving forward as well. Mental health is a huge part of our job and there are so many factors that go into our careers that can really have a huge effect on our mental health and oftentimes we don't even realise that our mental health has taken a hit until it's possibly too late. Recent reports suggest that 1 in 20 teachers will have mental health issues that last for a year or longer. And this can be a variety of different things. This could be anxiety, it could be depression, it could be panic attacks. There are so many things that can implicate our mental health and it's really important that we take time to look after ourselves now more than ever when everything has been thrown upside down and the demands are even higher on us. So there are a lot of different ways that we can look after ourselves and I know for a lot of people when you may google self-care or go on Pinterest or Instagram the first most obvious options that come up are things like having a warm bubble bath or being able to go and get your nails done or your hair done, having date night and all of these things are really important and they help you to maintain that work-life balance and they can boost your mood as well. There's also a few other things that we can do that will help us work on our mental health. So first of all, look at your work. You really want to be able to get that not perfect work-life balance, but as good as we can get it. One of the best things you can do is prioritise the work that's in front of you. So often we are asked to do all of the things. But first of all, I want you to look at all the things that are being asked of you. And then I want you to put them in order of how important they are from number one up to however many things there are on your list. What would happen if you didn't get to number 25? Would your students fail? Would they be devastated? Would they have missed out on a huge learning opportunity? If the answer is no, then it's not worth stressing over. If you have time to get to it, great. But don't bust a gut trying to get to it when it's something that you could say no to. And that takes me on to my next tip, which is don't be afraid to say no. Over on Instagram recently, I was talking about this where for years I have been a yes person and I will say yes to anyone and everyone if I feel like I can help them. And sometimes that means me taking on such a huge workload that all of a sudden my work-life balance is totally thrown off and before I know it, I'm quickly feeling overwhelmed, anxious, stressed, I'm panicking, I'm going to let people down. The best thing that I've ever done for myself personally and professionally is being able to start saying no. If it's something that will become too much for you, too overwhelming, will knock off your work-life balance, say no. It's okay to say no. We do not have to do all of the things all of the time. Next up is to plan your week routine and try and stick to it. So what I like to do is have a calendar and I will mark down the hours that I am in work. Obviously for many of us, this is non-negotiable. We start at nine, we finish at 3.30. But 
there's no prize for being the last car in the car park. There's no prize for being the first car in the car park. There's no prize for working through lunch. There's no prize for working all weekend, all through the summer holidays. There's no prize. You don't have to work yourself to the bone. Instead, put together your work for the week. What times do you start work and what time do you finish? And stick to it. Look at those times. You are not going to be working after that time every day or even Monday to Friday. Those are the times. And just to make sure you do stick with it, plan something fun that you are going to want to do after work is finished every day. That way, you are more inclined to stop working when you said you will because you want to get to the great thing that you have planned straight after it. My next tip is to talk to those around you. It could be a member of staff in your classroom or your school. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a therapist. Whatever is right for you, remember to just talk to them. Share your feelings. Ask for help if you need it or advice. Some days you may just want someone that you can sound off to and have them listen to you. That's all you want, someone to listen. And just let them know that so they know what you need. While we're talking about letting people know how we feel, it's also important to think about your management in your school. Now, I know this is not an easy one. We do not all work in supportive schools where we feel like we can go and be open with our management. If that's the case, then maybe this is not the right environment for you and your mental health. And I say this from a place of love because I have been there, done that, got the t-shirt and now I am working in environments where I feel confident where maybe if I'm having a bad day, maybe if I need a little bit of support or I need help, I can go to my line manager straight away and I don't feel anxious or nervous about it because they're so supportive. They like to know how I'm feeling and they let me know how they're feeling as well. And it's a great relationship to have and it makes the whole thing so much better for me personally and for my mental health too. Next up is journaling. So the last few years, I would say journaling has become more and more popular. And for me, I like to have my journal every day and I will write things down. So something that went really well that day, something that I'm really proud of, something that made me smile, something that made me laugh. I try and concentrate on the positives because I find what helps when I'm having a bad day is I'll flick through my journal and I'll look back at past entries. And it helps me to separate the positive and the negative, see all those great memories, gives me that feel-good feeling, especially on days where I'm not feeling so great. You can also, of course, have some times where you write down your concerns. It's different for everyone how you want to journal. For me, I like my journal to be that positive, safe space where I can just go and read through all great memories and just cheer myself up. My next tip is take time off social media. So you will have noticed recently I haven't been posting on social media as much and it's just because I've needed some time to look after myself as well. I have worked tirelessly the last few months, not just with my own students as well, but to try and help educators all around the world transition to distance learning, online learning, virtual learning, whatever you want to call it. And while I love doing that, it was tough as well because it was so exhausting trying to do all of the things. And social media sometimes can make you feel 
like you need to compare yourselves to other people. You know how when you can load your Instagram homepage maybe and all of a sudden there's all these people with the perfect classroom and the perfect visuals, the perfect organization, the perfect behavior management tool, students who are perfectly engaged all the time and it's just a snapshot because there is no such thing as perfect and these photos that look perfect they're literally a one second snapshot into someone's day. You have no idea what happened before or after that photo was taken. And you know what they say, comparison is the thief of joy. And that is so true sometimes. So don't be afraid to take some time off social media. And don't be afraid to unfriend or unfollow people. This could be people where Maybe you find yourself comparing yourself to them too much. It could be people who are always posting really negative, someone who's always up for an argument. Get rid of them too. Look for people who are relevant to you. Maybe it's someone who shares the same hobby as you. Maybe it's someone who just speaks to you on a personal level and makes you feel good about yourself. Those are the people you want on social media. And of course, remember that you're not alone. Over this weekend, although I haven't been as active on social media, I did take time to scroll through and read through some personal stories and experiences from educators all around the world who are sharing their mental health journeys, maybe before, during and even after it as well and you know even continuing forward with that and I think those stories are great for helping to remind us that we are not alone, we're not the only person who may be going through this. Like I said at the start of this podcast, one in 20 teachers will have struggles with mental health that last for a year or longer. One in 20. Now, depending how many teachers are in your school, let's just look at that for a moment. How many of those teachers have the potential to struggle with their mental health? It's more than you would think. So you are definitely not alone. You are not the only person who sits and cries in their car at the end of the day. The person who's so anxious driving to work and you're nervous about what people are going to say or how people are going to look at you or how they're going to judge you. Feeling like you're a failure. Feeling like you're not meeting your students' needs. You're not the only one who's been through all these things. I can assure you. And finally, follow all of that usual advice. So you know the one that you see when you go on Google or social media or even people's blogs and they say you need to exercise more, you need to eat healthier and you need to sleep longer. I know it's the same old, same old and we're all fed up of hearing it but there's a reason why that is the same old, same old advice and that's because it does work. For me, as soon as I was able to get back into exercising, especially after my surgery, I didn't want to go to the gym because post-surgery, it was too much for me and I was very nervous about how I would be, especially my first workout back. What if I overdid it? What if people didn't understand while I was taking an extra break? And so I invested in the Peloton and a lot of people thought I was crazy for spending all this money on a spin bike. But it's not just a spin bike. With the Peloton, it's a community and there's an app and you can focus on different workouts and things. The more time that I spent exercising, all of a sudden I wanted to improve my diet because I was working out, I was doing all these things. So why not improve my diet as well? And with those two things combined, I was starting to sleep easier too. Now, I used to struggle a lot with sleep and I have tried many medications I have tried everything you can imagine under the sun for insomnia and 
it was only when I left a work environment that I realised now looking back was very toxic. My insomnia went away. And when I was speaking to my doctor about it, because I've been going back and forth about my insomnia for so many years and I was lasting on two to three hours sleep a night and that was all I needed and my body got used to it. And, you know, the doctors were very concerned that that wasn't, that wasn't healthy at all to be able to survive on such little sleep and still be able to perform. And in the end, it turns out when we looked a little bit closer into it that my lack of sleep was because of my mental health taking a hit that I hadn't even realised it had taken. I was so anxious and stressed and feeling under pressure and there were so many people who were not very nice and negative Nancys and there was bullying going on and there was so much going on I didn't even realise until I left and all of those things had that effect on insomnia. And I do not wish insomnia on anyone. It is the worst thing I think I have ever been through where I would lie there in bed night after night after night. I would probably eventually fall asleep usually between two and half past three in the morning. By five o'clock, I would usually be awake. And that is how it went on for over seven to eight years. Now, we don't know the long-term effects of that yet, but if someone had sat me down so many years ago, asked me to prioritise my mental health, to take a good look at what was going on in my life, there's a chance that insomnia would have stopped long time ago. So that's why I want you to remember to follow that usual advice of exercise more, eat healthier and sleep longer, because guaranteed when you're doing those, you will feel better about yourself. So those are my tips for how you can look after your mental health. I hope you found this podcast episode helpful. If you have any tips to share, please head over to the show notes and leave a comment. And if you want to talk, sound off, ask for advice, just want someone to listen to you, my inboxes on social media and my email, they are always open and you are always welcome to talk to me. I am not a therapist and I cannot guarantee you that I will give you the best advice or the advice you want to hear, but I'm here for you. You are part of my community and if I can help, I will always do what I can to help you. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again soon. Mm -hmm.